think it was on Friday, could have been Thursday night, I looked at my outline and said, it's too much. So we're going to be having a, a, a perhaps a bit lengthier introduction than you're used to today, but we're only going to do the first two points in the message. We'll pick up the, uh, the last two, the second uh, section there um, in a couple of weeks. So um, have no fear. Persecution forces the church to improvise. And that has certainly been the case in China, uh, where house churches have been driven uh, underground, uh, and they have learned to function without a large pastor-led meeting. They they, uh, They have their services in one another's homes, uh, and there, are, there is a shared leadership in the absence of ordained leadership in many cases. And, and the church is flourishing in that situation, in those smaller gatherings, as people are encouraging one another by necessity in ways that we wouldn't think so important for us. But as we endure uh, this time of uh, COVID, we, I've, a thought that has come through my mind as I've wondered about the, about the church across the country, how well are we doing in ministering to one another in the absence, although now we're very grateful to have, in the absence of, uh, of the, the normal uh, kinds of, early, of morning worship services that we've enjoyed. Um, our church is able to do significant ministry during such an extended time as this, this COVID shutdown. My text this morning is one little verse. Uh, It is in Romans 15, and it is verse 14, and it is, I myself am satisfied uh, about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. I am fully convinced about you, brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Two points of introduction this morning. Paul had no doubt that Christians are capable, mutual encouragers. He was absolutely certain that Christians are capable of this thing that we're going to call mutual ministry or mutual encouraging. He had just, uh, as we have looked over in the last several weeks, in the last... uh, chapter and a half, he has been guiding the Roman church and we ourselves through an explosive pastoral issue. And that is, how well, how will the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians live together in unity and in harmony for the glory of God, but also for the benefit of the nations that are watching what's going on? How will they do? And I am certain 
while this passage was being read in the church in Rome for the first time, uh, there were red faces among those stronger brothers. It is a rebuke for those who lacked patience, for those uh, who lacked generosity, and Paul is saying to them, you recall, welcome those weaker brothers before they figure it out. Welcome them as they are before they first change. And these people needed much encouragement, didn't they? But he's saying, and this is not empty flattery, he's saying, you can do it. You got this. You have what it takes to help each other grow in godliness, to instruct, to advise. Uh, New there. To instruct and to give advice to. And he says, you have two things that are necessary to pull this off. You have goodness. You have goodness uh, that will keep the stronger brother from running roughshod over the weaker brother. You have that, you have that spirit-wrought goodness and compassionate care for others to be able to pull that off. The second thing you have is knowledge. Knowledge that will eventually, and this takes time, but knowledge which will correct the misguided faith of the weaker brother. You can do it. And Paul says, I feel confident that you can do it. I have no doubt, I am certain that you can do it. You are well equipped with the Spirit to do this. So Paul has no doubts that Christians are capable, mutual encouragers. Now, the second point of introduction is going to bring us a little bit closer uh, to our historical moment. And, and that is to consider the, the birth and the, the growth of what, what has been called nuthetic counseling. Um, and and that, that, is, uh, that, that word, uh, nuthetic, is really taken from one of the Greek words in our text, uh, nuthateo, uh, with that word to instruct or to advise or to give counsel. And, and, so, and so the church... The church had lost confidence, Paul's confidence, that that members are actually able to help each other. And there are two things that contributed to this. uh, The first thing, um, going back to the end of the 1800s and beginning of the 1900s, the the change of centuries into the 20th century, uh, was the rise of, of what has been called modernism. The rise of modernism... Um, and that is a sense that pet people had outgrown the need for any kind of supernatural faith. Uh, there was a sense that Christianity had become unnecessary. That is, people were getting, this is how people looked at it at that time, the beginning of the 1900s. People are getting better and better in every way. That was at the beginning of the century, which then had two wars, uh, called world wars, uh, that engulfed uh, countless millions. But that was the idea, that, that there, would be, there was progress, that the, the, as people improved, uh, they would usher in the kingdom of God. 
And, and with the pushing away of supernaturalism, uh, there was a vacuum created that was filled by uh, the psychological uh, revolution. And you know such names as, as, as Freud, the father of psychoanalysis, and B.F. Skinner, the father of behaviorism, and, and Abraham Maslow with his hierarchy of needs, and Rogers with his unconditional positive regard, and countless others who were developing theories that would help deal with the problems that people had. And it began to be believed that the church really was surrendering the care of souls to secular psychologists. Do you follow me? There's a vacuum when, when supernatural Christianity seemed to be escaping the church, filled with this teaching and these, these uh, examples of, in this psychological revolution examples that I've just cited. And it's in this context, in 1970, that Jay Adams appears on the scene, discerning what's going on, and publishes a book called Competent to Counsel. Does that sound familiar related to our text? That's taken directly from this text. I, uh, I am confident that you are able to instruct one another. You are competent to counsel. And it was Adam's belief that pastors uh, were God's ordained counseling professionals and they were able to direct people who were set adrift uh, by, uh, by Roger's non-directive approach to counseling. Uh, they were people who could offer the living word as we've thought about it already today as opposed to Maslow's um, self-actualization. And and Adam's approach was to shine the spotlight on our sin and and to encourage and direct and and, uh, exhort to a putting off and a putting on, uh, changing behaviors from from behaviors of disobedience to uh, form good habits of obedience. Now, in more recent developments in biblical counseling, and I'm going to use just a little, uh, the Christian Counseling Education Foundation, we have books all over this place that have been published by that organization. It's, it's a, 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 what you might call a more recent development in biblical counseling. And, and this is part of what drives that movement. Just as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have always been in close fellowship united uh, with love and communion and, and fellowship and unity within the Godhead. And so it is God's plan for us to be close, for, uh, God's plan to be close to us for, and for us to draw near to Him. And so we care for each other in an inviting and, um, and, and familial way. Do you get that? You get that, 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 that point of counseling. Biblical counseling is to reflect the Trinity in the way we, we are, are concerned about. We're, we're seeking, to, seeking to encourage people in, in knowing and following God and, and working together uh, in, in his kingdom. This is the slogan of CCEF, Restoring Christ to Counseling Uh, and counseling to the church. Do you hear that? We want to get Christ in the middle of our counseling, and we want to get counseling back in the church. 
for Adams, uh, the job, the, the, the pastor's job, uh, was to care for souls. And one of the improvements of what CCEF is doing is recovering the biblical emphasis on mutuality. That we are, in keeping with this passage, to advise one another. Not just have the pastors as the, as the professionals for counseling, but in some significant way, we become fellow counselors to advise and encourage and exhort one another. So, all that said, can you see why we wouldn't have four points today? <laughs> okay, just two. Um, be confident that you have what it takes to be effective mutual encouragers. Share Paul's confidence. You be confident, too, that you have what it takes to be effective mutual encouragers. Now, the first point this morning is, what is this mutual ministry? And the second point is, who does this mutual ministry? Well, what is this mutual ministry? Uh, can you imagine... Having, having heard uh, this letter, Romans, read in your church, you are a member of that first century church in Rome. And, and this wonderful passage has been read, including the passage that we read, chapter 12, about Paul, Paul's going to be, there are gifts that are going to be bestowed, and, and, and the Apostle Paul was coming, and, and, and he was, was going to be preaching and he was going to be bestowing gifts. That's what he promises in chapter 1. You may want to turn back with me to that. Romans chapter 1. I long to see you, Paul says, that I may, listen, I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Imagine Paul arriving, and he's going to encourage us with spiritual gifts and the expounding of this most influential book of all time, this letter to the Romans. But then Paul catches himself at verse 12. That is, he's making somewhat of a correction here. I, I missed something the first time. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I'm not coming in there just to bestow gifts and bestow the word. As significant and mighty and wonderful as that was. There is a mutuality. I'm going to encourage your faith, and you are going to encourage mine. I look around this room right now, and I see a lot of people who have encouraged my faith. There are, it has been said, two types of warfare, with word warfare, that go on in the church. Uh, and one of them is what, what we might call the air warfare, that is the preaching of the gospel, the applying of the gospel of grace that is saturating people's lives and hearts uh, as the Spirit of God is working in us in a communal way uh, as we're getting that air warfare. But then also, Paul is saying here, there's a necessity of ground warfare. That is the Holy Spirit working through you, Bev, and you, Dave, and you, Stephen, to be a blessing to those around you. God's working through you to help people grow. 
be confident you have what it takes to be an effective mutual counselor. It's part of God's plan. Uh, the Puritan Richard Baxter um, stayed in one place for quite a while in Kidderminster in, in England, and, um, and he was devoted to a life of public and private ministry. Uh, he, is, he wrote a classic, uh, the Reformed Pastor, that uh, people still read uh, and profit from. But he made this comment. He said that, uh, and he, so he was involved for many, many years in this, in this air warfare of preaching the, ministry, preaching the gospel. He, he made this comment that I think might be an exaggeration. But, but he, said, he said that he has had personal conversation with people in his church, in their homes, say, a 20-minute conversation that bore more evident fruit than 20 years of sitting under the preached word. Whoa! Whoa! That's the benefit of that, of that ground warfare that works along with the air warfare as it's going out today over, over to many people. And so our, our ground warfare is, as we've said through the years, it is prayerfully speaking God's words to others. Prayerfully speaking God's words to others. If, what is mutual ministry? What is it? Prayerfully speaking God's words to others. It is corporately taking the, the burden of being used of Jesus to further his work in one another through our own speaking words of truth to one another. An amazing thing. Wonderful gift. Now, we'll be talking in a couple of weeks about how that goes on in the church, but I, wanna, I, I want to um, emphasize this morning, just, just, just to, get us, to get us thinking about this in a very particular way, starting at home. How does it start? Let's start, start in, the, in the smallest circle and move out. Um, so, husbands and wives. And there is application, even as I make such a pointed direction to husbands and wives, there is a broader application to others as well. But how do you live out speaking the truth with love? That's, that's language, Paul's language in Ephesians 4. How do you live out speaking the truth in love? How do you live out seeking to be an effective mutual encourager in your marriage relationship? And you might be sitting there hearing that question, and you might think, not so well. <laughs> tried that, <laughs> not so well. Um, she doesn't change. Tried it. He gets mad. Tried it. And there we are stuck. I want to draw from one of the Puritans, a gentleman by the name of Wadsworth, um, as he describes I'm three different things from, from a quote of his on how um, husbands who are called servants, listen to this very carefully, husbands are called servants and wives are called helpers. So really what we have going on here is two servants and two helpers helping each other. Mutuality. And this is the first thing that uh, Wadsworth says as we think about what love looks like in the home. It is especially 
to be helpers of each other's salvation. Especially this, husbands and wives, to be helpers of each other's salvation. His words go on, to stir up each other to faith, love, and obedience, and good works. To stir up to faith, love, obedience, and good works. All right, guys, uh, men and women, how do you do this? How are you, how are you helpers of each other's salvation? Well, certainly, you pray often together. You have it during your regular Bible time. We'll talk more about this, but you have it during your regular Bible time. But here's another one. Here's another one. Perhaps that's a little bit less common. And that is praying together in real-time SOS prayers. Praying in real time when you're in the middle of a mess, a hard situation, an argument, loss of a job, dealing with kids, right there in real time, you stop in the middle of the kitchen and you say, we need help. We need to pray. And you pray to the Lord for His grace and mercy in that moment. And that will make, I suspect, a, a great impact on your children. This is real. This is a prayer hearing and prayer answering God that my parents believe it. One of the you also talk about and apply God's word specifically um, to your children. Again, in, in, in the regular Bible time, but in the in the real time SOS moments as well. He's, he's faithful. He's gotten us this far. Just, just, be, just say that to your, to your, in your home. He's faithful. I know he'll take care of us. Crisis happens. He's faithful. So be helpers of each other's salvation to stir up each other to, to faith, love, obedience, and good works. The second thing that Wadsworth says is to warn each other against sin and all temptations. To warn and help each other against sin and all temptations. Uh, wives, um, you you um, may have been taught at some point in your lives that uh, it is your job to do what you're told to do and to maintain the house and the family, but it is certainly not your job to give input into your husband's life. I don't know if you've ever heard that but I want to contradict that. Uh, you are called um, helper, um, etzer, uh, Genesis chapter 2, which means strong helper, and it is used, as it is used in the, in the, book, in the uh, Old Testament, I think 16 times, 13 of those 16 times, God is our helper! And he, he is our strong helper to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that's your role, women, wives, to do things for your husband that he is not able to do for himself. And and I believe the most significant thing that you can help him with is to, wives, it is to help your husband see what he does not see. That is being a strong helper. 
It is precisely helping him where he needs it. You do it gently. But you say things like this. Are you aware of how your anger impacts me and the children? When you blow up like that, you're quiet, not in front of the kids. Are you aware of how it affects me? You're helping your husband. Husbands, your, your place here uh, to build her up, not just to tell her she looks nice, although she will enjoy hearing that from time to time, but also in her character. And I think in particular where you see God working in her, you encourage her, you thank her, uh, and you thank God for her. And if you do not know um, where she needs help, you ask her how it is that I could pray for you. Um, Gail um, asked me some time ago, um, quite a long time ago, to um, help, uh, help her by praying for her defensiveness. And um, I thought, well, how am I going to do that? And it seemed to me that the best thing for me to do would be to pray about my own defensiveness. And, and Lord, help me with mine so that I will not react to hers. Apply, gentlemen, apply God's word in your home by being the leading repenter in your home. By being the first one uh, to repent. And the third thing that um, Wadsworth mentions here is to join in God's worship in the family and in private. Uh, but uh, in, in the church family and, and in private, you are you are caring for um, you are caring for your family and joining in, in uh, God's worship. And I would say, mention two things here, just two uh, two applications here, please. Um, one is in your teaching, the ch- your children emphasize the power of Christ, emphasize the power of Christ in reconciliation. Emphasize the power of Christ in bringing us in relationship with God and therefore in peaceful relationship with one another. And then model that, model that reconciliation in your, in your relationship. Hey, I, you, know, you know, come on, you, get, you know that sometimes in your, and perhaps many times in your relationship, it goes something like this. Something, there's a blow up in the relationship. Somebody says or does something. There's a blow up. And then you just kind of avoid each other for a while. And then over time, your heart maybe changes a little bit, so you move a little bit back or closer to each other. And, and then you just, sort of, you just sort of forget about it. And then you do it again. <laughs> you recycle. What your you are showing your children that Jesus is not real and Jesus is not strong. You are sowing seeds of doubt and unbelief in your children when you act that way. So you, you are specialists, become specialists in applying God's word to your own heart where you are able to name your sin 
and ask for forgiveness and grant it to each other. So you stress the power of the reconciling Christ in your home. You counsel and display the power of Christ. And the second thing is the beauty of Christ. Bringing God into the day today. You replace, replace the negative talk with which, and my goodness, it, internet, today, if there's negative talk ad nauseum. Please, do not let it corrupt your own home. Um, Gail and I were talking to a couple recently about a very messy and difficult time in their life. It was crushing to them. And towards the end of our time together, um, I asked them this question. Um, How will you look back on this episode in your life that has been so disruptive and difficulty? How will you look back on this? Will you look back on it and complain about how you were mistreated? And moan about how uncomfortable it was and how difficult it was? Or will you be able to look back on it and say, and Jesus was there in the midst of that suffering, and he taught us, and he restored us, and we give him praise for his gentle sovereignty. Let's look back. Let's describe those events in our lives that that way, shall we? Well, secondly, and much more briefly, who does mutual ministry that should be, should be leaking through already that everyone does it as the Spirit gives, spiritual gifts and opportunity. The priesthood of all believers, we are intercessors and helpers of one another. We are learning to speak the truth in love as we grow up into Christ, our head, and he makes the body grow as it builds itself up in love. That's how the body grows. Effective air warfare and effective ground warfare. Speaking the truth in love. We grow up into Christ who is our head. Another, my, my dear friends, you have what it takes. You, you have what it takes. You, you be confident. You have what it takes to be effective, mutual encouragers. Confidence that Jesus will use you because he gives you goodness. He gives you goodness. Uh, 12, uh, Romans 12.10, brotherly affection, kindness. You bring words to one another that are birthed out of a desire to help, out of, a des- out of compassion. You're willing to take the time to get close enough to know and to care for those people. So you have that, that confidence that you have full, uh, you're full of goodness but you are also uh, being filled with all knowledge. Being filled, not that you're filled up now. Well, I want to give you, I want to give you several points of application. Um, pray. This is a good prayer for you. How can I be more useful in encouraging those in my faith family? A good prayer, right there. How can I be more useful to your glory, your kingdom, in encouraging those in my faith family. And I would encourage you to start with your current friendships. You may be close. You may talk about the Phillies. You may talk about the Sixers. You may talk about the weather. Do you also talk about Jesus? In, infuse your relationships, current relationships, with, your, with the, glory, the power and the glory of Christ. 
Number one, start there. Lord, help me to bring Jesus into this relationship. I could be very helpful with my brother and sister and he and she to me. Um, one of you, one of you um, writes notes with encouraging scriptures all the time. All the time. And it is such a blessing to read that and to see the scripture this person has been thinking of in connection with us and praying for that. I know you get those cards too. Join, join a group in the church that practices being mutual ministers, practices being mutual counselors. Just, just, I, need, I need to exercise those muscles. I'm getting flabby. I haven't done a whole lot of this. I need more opportunity. There are training grounds for that. And I would say, lastly, this changes how you listen to sermons. You know, sometimes we can listen to a sermon and we can say, okay, I'm getting something. Um, I like it or I don't, but I'm getting something for me. For, for my consumption, I would say, no, 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 no. Let's not look at it that way. Listen to sermons for what you can give away. Listen to sermons for what, how you can encourage others with the truth that God has given to you. Speak about it in your home. Speak about it with your friends. Speak about it. One of the great things that I, I, I'm out in the community, not so much now, but before, out in the community, run into a shop. There, people are trained to say, how are you? And if it's a Friday, what are your plans for the weekend? Throw me a softball, would you? Well, I'm going to be preaching in just 48 hours on the beauty of Jesus in our in our restoring relationships that are broken. You know, just be thinking about how you can share what you hear with with others. And people, people, being a Christian is an adventure. Being a Christian is fun. We have we have God's purposes uh, to be useful to one another in ways that we have not even begun to imagine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what a great plan you have in the Church of Jesus Christ. And we are so excited to be a part of it. We're so excited to be able to be, to be used meaningfully in one another's lives. And I pray that you would give us both skill and confidence to do that. And just thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity you give us. A day of rest and worship to see you and to be encouraged in your word. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.